everyone is a star child made of stardust and the infinite potential of the universe. This extraordinary fearless something in each of us clamors for freedom from the bonds of fear, conformity, and an ordinary life. Welcome to Dr. Durr's Living in the Sweet Spot, where practical tools and solutions from the intersection of mind-body medicine, science, and spiritual well-being awaken and empower you to live out your infinite potential, to live life in the sweet spot. Hello, everyone. My conversation with Myra Solomon about freeing yourself from conformity and a mediocre life, it was so good that we just had to do a part two. I'm your host, Dr. Balanay Durr, and welcome to Dr. Durr's Living in a Sweet Spot. Hey there, Miss Myra. Hello, hello. I'm back. Yes, yes Myra. Y- yes, 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 yes. And for, for, for those are, you know, obviously you want to watch part one, but, um, you know, Miss Myra, just remind, Goddess Myra, remind us that you were you the COO of Terracon Design and Construction, which is an architectural and design company. Yes. Yes. And then you're also um, teach spiritual principles and, you know, and what we call new thought Christianity principles for UFBL, which is the Universal Foundation for Better Living. Absolutely. I am a licensed teacher and I love it. Yes. Yes. So um, for those who may have missed it, obviously we want you to watch part one because there is some, some, just some, some amazing content in there. Um, but also, you know, just to do a little bit of, of a recap, um, we talked about what are the things that, that you need to do. So, you know, one, there's the I, what's your identity and where do you get, what's the source of your identity and your, and your possibilities and your purpose? And then what are those things that you need to do in order for that to happen, to begin that process? And there's, uh, be honest with yourself, be willing to accept your role in the situation was a thing that, Ms., that, that Goddess Myra said, which I love, which is that being accountable, be responsible for what you think, feel, and do irrespective of your circumstances, right? And then um, working on yourself. And, um, you know, obviously there's a process in how you do that. One of those things you talked about was celibacy, which which is, which is, when we, we talked about that a little later on camera. I said, oh yeah, we gonna definitely have to talk about, talk about that too as part of, as part of this conversation. But yeah, and so there's, and then there's also, there's is meditation, right? connecting with yourself, learning to quiet and still your mind so you can hear your sacred self. You can hear the creator, hear God speaking to you and guiding and directing you. Then there's, of course, there's believing what the creator says about who you are and what's possible for you and trusting that, trusting what's said to you, trusting the creator for everything, again, including your identity and possibilities. And then there was also, and then there, of course, there's, there's the follow, i.e. obey, what your sacred self is telling you to do. And then, of course, there is self-forgiveness. 
Um, because of course I find that a lot of the things, oh, here's what I call I say, a lot of folks are the prosecuting attorney. <laughs> the prosecuting attorney, they're the defendant, they're the judge, they're the they're the the, the prison guard, and, and they are um, you know, the 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 head of the the, the prison uh uh system too, right? But the beautiful thing is they are also uh, the clemency board. So if folks, if they'll stop cherry picking the evidence and convicting themselves, condemning themselves, then they have the ability to, you know, grant themselves clemency and or probation. <laughs> right. So let, let, let how much time you have to serve. That's what I'm saying, you know, cause there is a difference between conviction and condemnation, right? Conviction yes. is I did something wrong. Condemnation is I'm just guilty forever, right? And and forgiveness is that's not true. You can do something, but then do what you need to do to take ownership, clean it up, and then um, and then free yourself of that past moment, right? So um, there was there was the, so that's the importance of self forgiveness so that you can live right now today with all the possibilities right that are available to us as opposed to again you know whooping on ourselves beating on ourselves you know the other thing too you know what I, God is smart you know what I tell people too in terms of when they're doing that to, doing that to themselves. I said, come on down off the cross. Jesus don't need no help up there. Right. You know, I like that. <laughs> I love that. So, so yeah, self-forgiveness is, 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 is essential along with forgiving others. And then we, we got into some other things that, that you were going to talk about today, which was, um, do you remember those? You were one of the things you you were. I know you were going to talk about is you you mentioned. Sometimes you need to give yourself a redo. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, we always put ourselves on the bottom of the list. We are so quick to forgive everybody and everything about everything, but yet when it comes to us we are unwilling to show ourselves grace and to even feel like we are worthy and deserving of a redo. Okay, so that happened. So now we're not gonna continue to do that. We're gonna do something different because we know what the results of that was. And okay, it's not the end of the world. You can pull yourself back and show yourself grace and then start anew. And that's always good. You've got to be willing to do that for yourself. And when people start to see that you're willing to do that for yourselves, they won't be as hard on you as well. We tend to be harder on ourselves than everyone. And then we continue to live from a perspective of things that have happened so long ago. And we're still living in that. Most people are living from what happened 20 years ago and what you made that mean to yourself in spite of all the advances that you've made since that thing has happened. Well, I, and I think you make a great point. Is how, how are you going to advance when you're still living in a past moment? See, many people exist in a past moment. 
they they think that they exist in the present moment, but really they exist in a past moment. You know, repeat over and over again. It's like Groundhog Day, like that movie Groundhog Day. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's a great point. That's a great point. And um, then there was also you mentioned the uh, there was also I know you were going to talk about uh, doing a gratitude journal. Yes, yes. I mean, how you give yourself grace is don't take on so much. Don't spread yourself too thin. Uh, allow yourself to have some time to reflect. I mean, it's about transformation. It's self-care. It's reflecting and taking the time to meditate, to pray, to go to headquarters, to end every day on a high note. Don't live by the pessimist creed, but by the optimist creed. It ain't, it's not heart surgery. It's not heart surgery. You don't need to beat up on yourself. So every night, just say, what are three things that I'm grateful for today? And it doesn't have to be something that's monumental. It could be something as simple as I gave myself an hour to do whatever it was. Every day I say, I want to devote one hour to myself just for me. And so you pencil yourself in and make yourself a priority and stop trying to save the world and save everybody. Because like they say in the airplane, you got to put the mask on your face first. And so I can't be what I need to be for you if I'm not there for myself. Yeah. So you know what? Um, and Miss Mari, that's like actually one of my favorite um, examples, and I actually have it in in my book, Heaven Abounds in You, where in the the chapter called Masterpiece, because we are all masterpieces, expressions of the Creator, um, in appearing as us, and the the issue in, ter in terms of my needing to take care of you is very dependent upon how well. I'm able to take care of me because whatever I have in my tank is all I have to give to you. Right. Um, and if um, I got a little bit, I got this to give. If I got this, you know, I got this much to give. And um, um, and so the, the example that you cited was again, before when you're on an airplane and before takeoff, the, one of the things the flight attendant says is should the cabin lose air pressure, the oxygen mass will drop from the ceiling. If you're traveling with someone, secure your mask first, then assist others. The reason being is because if you're passed out or dead, who are you going to help? <laughs> who you going to call? Common sense. It's common sense, you know, yeah. is, you know, is, is who, who are you going to help? You can't yeah. even help you. So who are you going to help? Right. But I'm glad so, you said that because sometimes we have been living from the outside in instead of the inside out that we are more inclined naturally to seek to help everybody around us whether it's our husband, our children, our friends or whatever, we want we have that superwoman cape on. We wonder woman cape on. We want to help everybody else. And by the time it gets to us, we're exhausted. We've got this much energy for ourselves. And we think in a lot of uh, regards that that's enough. 
Because again, we're talking about, are we worthy? So we, we're willing to take that little bit for ourselves, but give everybody else the full extent of what we think that they need and what's required. But then we're not willing to do that for ourselves. So I know one of the ways, again, you talked about that specifically was with the in terms of um, we've had a conversation about was using a gratitude journal and finding three things a day. Yeah, to to be grateful for. And mm -hmm. so use that every night and then every day you start chipping at that and start being building that up for yourself. And, and all of it is based on yourself, not what you can do for somebody else. This is making you strong and building your foundation so that you can be the best Myra that you can be. And what happens in those regards is you begin to attract like-minded and vibration and energy based on what it is that you're putting out. Well, you know what, as wonderful as that might be for folks to be the best Myra they could be, they can never, <laughs> they're never gonna be a better Myra than you. <laughs> So right. they have to be, they have to, they have to be their best selves. And I think the thing that I actually come to realize recently about uh, gratitude is the fact that it helps me recognize its value, mm -hmm. right? And by recognizing, um, when I recognize the value of something, then I'm going, oh, then this is useful or beneficial in these ways versus if I'm not recognizing is if I'm not recognizing its value, then then I'm dismissive of it. And I don't think it's useful. I don't think it's helpful. I don't think it's beneficial. So therefore, I'm not going to make use of it. And um, uh, and by but by changing my perspective of it, and and then saying it has value in making use of it, then um, then I'm able to create more and better or something very different because now I'm saying, oh, I can do something with this, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I have I have these I have these I have these talents I have these skills I have these abilities I have this willingness I have this perseverance. I mean, you know, what are those things even about, about my asking in terms of asking myself, what are those things that are my gifts and talents and my strengths? Because not everybody else has them. And by, by saying I have the, I have the, you know, the, the talent for design, or if I have the talent, like you said, for cooking and being a chef, or I have the talent you know, to be a mechanic or to be an artist, whatever that is for each person, then you can work on developing that and sharing that gift. But you can't develop and share what you don't value. And you can't, you can't develop and share what is a gift and a talent and a strength that you don't have. So to me, that's actually the, that's one of the great things about gratitude is that, you know, going, hey, okay. <laughs> it's some, some great and wonderful, something useful, right? And then yes. something else you also said was about 
listening to others. Yes. You know, you know I'm looking at you like that because I'm going, okay, you know, we have to be who we listen to though. But right, we've got to be careful about the listening we're speaking into. And we also have to be careful about the listening that we are listening to because we want to make sure that we're in alignment with people as well. We cannot allow ourselves to listen to everybody, particularly if what they're saying is not in alignment with what you're seeing and what the manifestation and the demonstrations are. And again, that's why we say go to headquarters because once you go to source, and you begin to rely on that voice, then the people who you should be listening to will enter into your conversation and spaces. So it's not everybody that you're gonna be listening to. There, that's why we have two ears. Sometimes what comes in will go completely out, but if it resonates with you and it's in alignment with what you're doing, then it's gonna find a space within you so that you'll be able to use that and hear that voice clearly. But it's not to say that you shouldn't be comfortable with listening to your inner voice. That's the supreme voice that you wanna listen to. You're not saying you're better than people or whatever, but you wanna take a step back and listen to that supreme voice, that voice within, that still small voice that is saying to you, not shouting at you, but kind of whispering to you, and that's what you want to be in connection with. <laughs> the reason the reason I'm laughing, God is my is because sometimes, you know, the creator does shout at us. I tell people <laughs> that there was there was this okay, this was a case, and this was who um uh, <clears throat> 30 years ago. There was someone um that I was in relationship with, and I'm saying, um, I need a sign. Saying God, I need a sign, and then. <laughs> so wait a minute. I'm like, I need a sign, and then, so you know, I don't know. A week or so goes by, and then I'm going, okay, God, you know me. You know, at times I can be blind, and so I needed big bold neon letters. <laughs> so then, then. Then, so I know a week or so goes by and then next thing I'm sitting there and I hear God goes, what are you doing? I was like, huh? I was like, huh? <laughs> He's like, what are you doing? You don't want the same things. You're not going the same place. What are you doing? <laughs> so, <laughs> so when you said this, this, the still the small, the still small voice, and he doesn't shout. Sometimes he does, but that's because when he shouts, it's because we deaf, right? <laughs> we blind, and that's true. Don't and that's true. Yeah, because you're saying that you want these things, and I'm giving you all the tools in which to use them, but you're still every day begging and beseeching, and it's like, well, what are you doing? I've told you this twenty nine times already. Yeah, so wait, I agree. With just that. And sometimes he has told us 29 times already, but sometimes we already know. Oh yeah. But Absolutely. we refuse to, but we refuse to see, we refuse to acknowledge what we see and what we've experienced. And, and therefore 
then we want to go ask the creator, um, I need a sign. Right. Well, it's true. It's true what you say, because we'll even say to ourselves, well, I did this against my better judgment, which is true what you said. You already know that this is not the decision you should have made. So why then are you doing it? Why aren't you taking your own advice? Why aren't you listening to source and all of these things? Why are you continuing to move forward if you know pretty much when you make this decision what the outcome is going to be? You're willing to suffer that outcome unnecessarily. That's what you're saying. And that's unfortunate. That's unfortunate. If, if you can't believe in yourself, you can't listen to your own self, and you still allow yourself against your own better judgment to do things that you know down the road, the outcome is probably not going to be what it needs to be for your better good, for your highest good. Well, and you know that that's, that's about fear, right? Oh, when, yeah. we, when, we, when we give into that, that's because we're afraid that what I want doesn't exist. I'm afraid that what I won't, what I won't, what, excuse me, what I won't want. Are we going to sabotage you? We are afraid well, to. No, it's just, again, it's, it's, I'm afraid that what I want doesn't exist, or I'm afraid that what I want won't show up. Or, or that I'm undeserving of what it is that I want. Right. So either way, I'm going to go without it. And so out of my fear, then I settle for something that I never should have been involved in. Right. Um, the, the, the silver lining is the fact, though, that it's and, and, and let me be clear. I'm not talking about just relationships. It, it, it can be. Um, it can be your, your, your career or your profession. It can be, um, you know, your residence. It can be all kinds of things that out of our fear that we settle for. And so it's, um, you know, you, you've got to be willing to, you, you got to be willing again to believe and to trust that and to, and to, and, and to love you, which, which is the, the, the part I'm, I'm going to get into um here because i i think that part is critical but i just want to make sure you had a chance to finish up uh, finish what you were saying yeah and and you've got to believe in yourself and you got to know that you know that you know that god got you that source got you every day the universe conspires to support you so you got to know that at at the deepest level of your being you've got to know that so Miss, so so Miss Myra, of course. So that always brings us back to um, faith or fundamentally belief. Mm -hmm. And what you know, what I was, you know, again, that fundamentally too is that I need to love myself, mm -hmm. and that's missing for a lot of people. And when. Um, I, when I don't love me, right, when I don't love me, then I make it all okay for all kinds of things to happen to me because the difficulty begins with me. I'm the one who sets the standard 
about what's okay and what's acceptable for how other people treat me. If I don't love me, then what ends up happening is I end up picking, picking people and relationship and situations and circumstances that reflect the fact that I think I'm undeserving. And the difficulty with that is that, and when I'm saying I need to love me unconditionally, why? Because the creator loves me unconditionally. The creator loves you unconditionally, loves all of us unconditionally, because as expressions of the creator, some people say as a child of the creator, we're also heirs. And it says, I think it's second Corinthians in chapter eight, that, that there is nothing that can happen that can separate us from God's love. So there's nothing that can, that can, that can, that we can do or that can be done to us that will ever separate us from God's, God's love. So if, 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 if God loves me unconditionally, then I need to love me unconditionally. Now, the next thing people do, but you know, even if they don't say it, what I know to be true is most people don't know how to do that. They don't know how to love themselves, let alone love themselves unconditionally because they were raised by people who didn't know how to love themselves. And you can't teach somebody what you don't know. Right. So Louise Hay of um, Hay House Publishing, she um, what, what she would say do is to look yourself in the mirror, right? At least twice a day. Um, look, look yourself in the mirror and say, I love you. And what for most people, what happens is when they do that, there's what they call the, the <laughs> that goes up <laughs> because there's something they've done that they feel as though I can't love myself for that reason. And then of course, the, the, the problem, the problem with that, really what that is, do, is doing pra is practicing conditional love. It's practicing mm -hmm. conditional love for yourself because you're saying for this reason, I can, I, I can't love myself for this reason I can. And so the idea of, of looking in the mirror, looking yourself in the eye, you know, twice and saying twice, at least twice a day and saying, I love you is because then you're practicing unconditional love and why it can be very uncomfortable initially or for whatever period of time that is for you. If you just keep doing it every day and the more times you do it every day, the, 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 the more the, um, the conditions will begin to fade. Right. And the more you can start to see your own, your own value. So I just, I just, I, I just know that that one is so important. And, and here's the thing I also try to remind people, your body has different organs and their vital organs, or they have a vital function or important function and the body can't exist without it. So your heart doesn't need to be like your uh, liver because even without a liver, your body's dead, right? Your, your kidneys don't need to be like your lungs because without kidneys, your body's dead. And I say, as much as folks talk down about the anus, let that sucker back up and see if you ain't got some problems. Yep. Right? <laughs> I right. love how you, how you bring the medical part into it. And back to uh, Louise Hay, I think that's, that's a great exercise when you look in the mirror twice a day and say you love yourself because you always want to stay connected to yourself. 
Because if when you do that, that is developing that authentic connection that you need to yourself. And I, I, I just love that she says twice a day, just say, I love you because you cannot do with someone else what you're incapable of doing for yourself. So I can't love you to the degree that I need to be loved or to love you if I don't show myself that level of love. So I, I, I like that. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and on that wonderful point, we're we going to take a break and then we will be right back. Heaven Abounds in You takes you on an inward journey of discovery that dramatically transforms your outward experience of life. Discover the power of belief. Utilize it in connection with science to create a vision of meaning and purpose that pulls you forward. Let go of the meager me to discover the magnificent me. Let go of your painful past and live life free from fear, worry, and stagnation. Experience an abundant universe as you powerfully create happiness, relationships, health, and limitless opportunities. When you heal your mind, all things are possible. Hi everyone, Dr. Balanay Durr here. And before the break, uh, we were talking about the importance of loving yourself. And again, joining me um, for part two of this conversation about freedom from conformity and a mediocre life is my guest, Myra Solomon. So again, at the... I'm, I'm sorry, Myra. Go ahead. Oh, good evening. I just said good evening. Yes. Hey, hey, goddess. <laughs> so, like, so, so again, we left off with talking about the um, the importance of self love, and you were saying that basically you can't give to somebody what what they don't have, right? Right. If your cup is empty, then where where are you, where are you pulling from to give from someone? And that's the other thing you want to give from your overflow. You don't want to deplete yourself to show people that you love them. You've still got to have something to give. So you're giving from the overflow. And, you know, that's one of my favorite Iyala Van Zandt sayings. <laughs> Fill your own cup first and then give from your overflow. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yep. That's important. That's important because there are people out there that, can take and take and take. And if you naturally by nature are a giver before you realize it, your cup is empty yourself. And it goes back to putting the mask on yourself first. So I'm only able to give to you what it is that I have from my overflow to give to you. But I'm always going to protect myself and have enough for myself. And that's not being greedy or selfish or whatever. People may look at that differently and say, oh, you're just being selfish. No, I am taking care of myself. And only I can take care of myself. And therefore, I need to create boundaries in ways. And if people don't live up to some of the ways that I think that I am deserving, then that's another conversation that I need to have in terms of protecting myself. 
Yeah, and the so the other thing too that I think is is really to me is nonsensical, doesn't add up, is I shouldn't expect the world to love me and value me and take better care of me than I'm willing to love me, value me, and take care of me. Absolutely. It's, you know, it's like I'm running around like a beggar with my hand out. Or another thing that that I'll say to folks is, again, you know, I have my water. I have water here, right? And then I take my glass of water and I hand it to you, Myra, and then I go, can I have some water, please? You're like, what the? But you, you just, just had, had you just had water. Right. Why did you hand me your water and then ask you to give give it back to you when you already had it? Um, and you know, again, that comes from a lot of times the persistence that people still think that they're little. They still think that they're children who are small, weak, vulnerable, independent. And because their sense of self has not evolved to be to be in keeping with themselves as you know strong independent um adults that they're still seeking from other people to give to them what oftentimes the the love and acceptance that they may not have received as children they're still looking for somebody to give it to them as opposed to stopping and saying well now as a as a mature adult let me learn how to do that for myself and um and not expect folks to give me what they don't have or don't don't necessarily want to give me. You know, another way I tell ask people to think about it is is if your family if your family if you want ten thousand dollars and your family they don't have it right maybe they only can give you a hundred say thank you and then go get the rest. Yes, right. You Absolutely. need to go get the rest. Uh, that's what you do as as a mature adult. Right. Because you can't pull from somebody what they don't have and then become angry because they're unable to give it to you. You know, that's that's not how this works. People can only do what they can do to the degree that they can do it. And then you then need to do some of the work yourself. And a lot of it is we are trying to require other people to do the heavier lifting for our own selves. And we need to be able to do that work ourselves. It's our work to do. <laughs> you know, Reverend, excuse me, Reverend Evelyn Boyd, um, she's transitioned, but was, you know, at Christ Universal Temple. And, and my favorite saying of hers is she used to say, every tub has to sit on its own bottom. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love the imagery of it too, right? Because you just get it. It's sitting yeah. on its own bottom. It's not sitting on a different tub's bottom, right? <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. So now here's the other thing too. Goddess Meyer. One of the things that, you know, we talked about yesterday was, you know, spending time with, excuse me, with myself to ask life big questions, to learn about me. Who am I? Why am I here? What, what's, you know, what, what are my gifts and talents? And, um, you, you talked about the fact that one of the things that you did 
to take time for you to unravel uh, some of the some of the chaos going on. <laughs> I would like to say the cray cray, which was yes. yes. some of the mess. Um, and, and before I go on to this next, I just want to say this. One of the things we also need to recognize, too, is that even in creating chaos and mess, the cray cray, that's what chaos and mess is for me, the cray cray, is we have to understand that what it is, is it's an opportunity for me to learn and grow. Whatever the lesson is that I'm not getting, right, um, that that's what it's there for. It's there to show me, me and what I need to learn and what I need to grow and how I need to heal. So if I don't want to do the work in third grade, um, what it is, is then I get to repeat third grade in third school. Um, so th that that's the blessing of chaos and mess. But obviously, we don't want to keep repeating third grade perpetually. Right. So, so you so the thing you talked about was one of the ways that you took time to, to get to know you and spend time with you was was actually was actually celibacy and i wanted us to spend a lot more time talking talking about that and, and you know what are some other things we gonna get in get into in terms of because this is the this is again the the unapologetically real segment right yes. and and so we have some real down to earth um uh, thought-provoking uh kind of even you know fun conversations but you know straight no chaser <laughs> yes so yeah so, yep, let's, yep. Get, so let's get into that yes uh i talked about on our last segment that i was in my early 30s and i had been in a tumultuous relationship uh mentally abusive and so when i finally was able to free myself from that relationship I decided to take a few steps back and not spend so much time blaming the other person for the situation that I found myself in for 10 years and allowed myself to be in for 10 years. I did not totally go outside of myself and continue to point the finger at, oh, how did he did this and that and the other. I never spent a whole lot of time telling everybody what happened. I decided to take a step back and become celibate because I knew that I played a major role in that situation. And for however long it went on, I was 100% a co-pilot in that. It was not just one-sided. And so I knew that I was not going to be any good for a new relationship, I decided, okay, maybe I need to step back, take a break because intimacy is so important and bringing another person into your life, that's a whole nother conversation. And at the same time, I had a 13 year old boy, male child, which is very different. I guess the girl child would have been just as significant, but I said, you know what? Let me pour myself into myself and give my son the mother that he needed for the next four years before he goes off to college. And so I decided to become celibate. I would uh, still talk to guys, and but I would tell them early in the situation that this is what I'm doing. If this doesn't work for you, then it's not gonna work for me, but this is what I'm doing. 
I am not. We can go to the movies. We can go to dinner. And you know, a lot of guys is like, well, you know, I'm paying for the movie. I'm paying for the dinner. And I expect something on the other side of this. And I say, well, I don't have it to give. I'm telling you what I'm working with. And if this is not going to work for you, it's not going to be a good fit. So I, be, I was celibate for four years. And what was so beautiful about it, I never even thought about the man or what I was missing because I was so busy pulling back the layers of who it was that I had allowed to be buried under that relationship that I was coming out of. I had literally lost myself in that relationship because I had become so many iterations of myself thinking that that was going to be the, uh, the way that I was going to keep that relationship alive. And so I had lost myself. I really didn't like Louise Hayes say, look in the mirror and say, you love yourself. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot that I saw in myself that I could love. I, I, I was just on a mission to be everything I could for my partner, thinking that was going to help me until I eventually lost who it was that I thought I was. And so I spent all that time trying to find out who I was and to begin to love myself again. I didn't need somebody to lay up on me and to be this and to be that. I didn't no longer need that. Or, I mean, I did need it, but I was saying that that was clouding all of the other stuff that I needed as well. So when you say it was clouding it, it was clouding it in what way? Uh, not allowing me, I mean, to the point where there were things that I wanted to do that I did not do because I just thought I was putting all my eggs in that one basket and I was not allowing myself to be diverse and well-rounded to do the things with my friends and my family. I, I just, I, I was single focused on just that. And so I kind of lost myself in trying to be the best partner and to, you know, perform and do all of these things and feeling insecure, you know, as you are when you're 30 and you got the competition of other women and you vying for your partner's attention and him knowing that you were insecure. And so let's continue to throw that in your face so that you can contort yourself even more and do all the things that you think that you need to do to vie for my attention and my affection and all of that other stuff. So celibacy allowed me to say enough, enough. I don't need all of that. I can still be a size uh, 10. I can still have a 22 inch waist and I don't, I'm not packaging myself for somebody's partner or somebody to look at me and say, oh, it would be nice to be with that person or no, I decided I wasn't doing it anymore. <clears throat> so, you know, one of the things that, um, so it freed me, let's just say celibacy freed me from myself. <laughs> if you said it freed you from yourself. No, I mean, because let me tell you, let me, let's keep it 100. I'm not saying that I was a nun or whatever. I enjoyed 
uh, being in intimate relationships with men. I mean, it was, I loved it. I did. But I had put it on such a high priority that I had to, I had to change how I was moving. So it freed me from myself. Yeah. So I I think it's, you know, it's a couple, it's, 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 it's obviously with the, with the right partner in terms of, you know, connection and like mindedness and that, that level of, you know, intimacy um, it, it's, it's, you know, it, physical intimacy is an amazing thing. And even sometimes, even without reaching and and here's what I say, I really think that our desire to be physically intimate is really about, um, uh, there's obviously pleasure and this procreation, but for me, I think it's really our desire to be in oneness with the creator. And it's our way of doing it through the physical. Right. Yes. But if you yes. don't understand that, you can't bring that level of awareness and understanding to the experience. But that being said, if you look at it as it's just a hookup, then of course that's the energy and whatever you bring to it. And it can still be very pleasurable. And you right. know, you know, it, it still feel you know, feel really good. And I tell folks as Ludacris says, if you ain't enjoying sex, you ain't doing it right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, so, um, so obviously there's, there, that's that part. And there's actually, you know, the chemical part of it too, which I don't think folks necessarily understand, which is obviously you're releasing dopamine, which is, uh, which is pleasure. It's also the motivation. We're hardwired as human beings, right. To have sex in order for the survival of the species. And yep. so how do you promote that? Yeah, well, you make it feel good. So right. um, there's that part, but then there's other chemicals going on. And one in particular, I just, I, I wanted to mention that I think a lot of folks are not aware of is also when you have sex with someone and through orgasm, you release a chemical called, a hormone called oxytocin. You ever heard of oxytocin? Yes, I have. Yes. Okay. So got oxytocin, of course, what it does is in addition to, uh, besides obviously it being a part of labor, it causes contractions of the uterus, you know, in order to, to so that the mom goes into to delivering the baby. Uh, and then post that, if she's nursing, it causes the ejection of milk. But in addition, what it also does is it creates connection. Mm. Um, so through climaxing, you... It, it helps you to bond with the person. And for women, the half-life is a lot longer than it is for men. So for them, because of you know how their physiology is, oxytocin may only stay around a few days. But for women, it's like more like a week. It's 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 multiple times the length that it lasts in women than it does in men. And then the other thing that, that um, the other thing that oxytocin does in addition to um, the, the actual bonding itself, but the other thing it does is it causes women to start to see their mate, to see their faces of their mate like they see the face of their own child. 
And um, isn't that something? Wow. wow. See, and I was in my 30s. So if I had known all, you know what they say, well, if I knew then what I know now. Right. Right. I, I, I never had all of that information. Well, guess what? Me either. <laughs> not not that. Not back then, not back yeah. then. And the, the research and understanding of oxytocin is, is ever evolving. It's still very much in its kind of early stages. Okay. Um, um, but, but that's one of the things in my researching it that, that they talk about. And so obviously for a woman, for a mom to see, you know, that little face, and oh, you're so adorable. And yeah. so that bonding and attachment helps to ensure that child's, that child's survival, right? So then you take that level of attachment and bonding and associate it with whomever your mate is through, you know, climaxing, orgasming, and the release of oxytocin. Then you can see, and also because the half-life is so many more times longer for women than it is for men, then you can see why um, it's much easier in general, it's easier for men to have casual sex mm. without the without bonding to the woman compared to the woman bonding to bonding to her 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 mate. Um, and so sex is far more of a, of a bonding and she becomes more attached to him through that act than, than it does for men. So women in general, they can't be as casual about sex the way men can because of the bonding that occurs through oxytocin. Wow, man, that mind blower. Wow, man, it makes so much more sense. And so you, in spite of all the other things that that man may or may not be doing in that relationship, because of what you just said, will keep you attached to that person, good, bad, or indifference. And, and it takes, and in my case, when you've been with somebody almost eight years, nine years, now double that. So, wow. Thank you for that explanation. Well, you're, you're, you're welcome. And, you know, I, I like to think of, um, you know, information. So whether it, I like to think of things like this in general, I don't go out to my car every day and try to figure out how to start my car. Right? <laughs> I learn how to start it and I can start it consistently every time. Right. So through science and also for me, spirituality to me i wanted to be to go from uninformed to informed and um so uninformed faith to informed faith and then also even from a scientific standpoint you know how do i operate this 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 vehicle this this vessel this body and understanding that what i'm doing it's for this reason and this is why it's happening and so if I need to change something, the, the better my understanding is, the more effective that I am in operating the vehicle, right? Wow. So, and in this, and in, and in this case, you know, relationship. You love, that, that's why you love this practical Christianity that we are in, because we don't get to have these quote unquote pity parties. 
because when you know better, you have to do better. And so you can't keep depending or saying that it was this, that, and the other. You know your role in the situation and you have to step up and play big and stop playing small and stop dumbing yourself down and stop making excuses for how it shows up when you know rightfully well what your role was in it. And that's why the demonstration is showing up this way. Yeah, because we're, we're powerful creators. And the reason we're powerful creators is through the choices that we make. So it's, it's because every, again, every choice we make creates a result. So as I like to say, we are always successful. Why are we always successful? Because every choice we make creates a result. The difficulty comes in, of course, is that we're often successful. It creates a mess we don't want. Oh, yes, yes. We can create messes. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's the problem. But when you're aware that every choice I make creates results, so am I making choices that are consistent with results I want or choices that are not consistent with what I want, then, then I just need to choose differently, yeah. right? That, that's, that, that's, that's really the issue. So I, I think, you know, but a lot of folks, you know, just to get back, just, just, just to get back to this, uh, Miss Myra, Goddess Myra, there's a lot of folks that's like, I want to test drive the vehicle first. Yep. And guess what? After you test drove maybe two or three cars, you realize that car A gets you exactly where you can get at car D. So do you really necessarily need to test drive all of that? So I, I, I think, you know, the thing too, again, just as we were talking about the benefits of, of choosing, and, I, and again, I said last uh, in, our, in part one, that that I've you know been celibate for periods of two years is because one then I'm also not clouded by you know you're not clouded by my my fear of the person walking away and and settling and 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 all of that and you and it gets and I get to see the person more clearly without all the the chemicals and hormones and fears that now are coming up through my attachments um, uh, because I'm going to be more attached because now we're physically intimate. So, right. you know, it's Miss Myra, of course, this has, this has been a wonderful conversation just as, as part one was. And for those folks, if you didn't see part one, go back. Y'all want to see it. Uh, go, go, go watch it. And uh, again, Miss Myra, how do folks get in touch with you? Yes, you can catch me, Myra Solomon. I'm on Facebook and Instagram, same name, and it'll go right back to me. I'd love to talk some more with folks. This has been amazing. Thank you so much, Dr. Durr. Appreciate you for this. Well, well, thank you, Goddess Myra. Like I said, you know, you you are divine feminine energy, uh, the embodiment of divine feminine in, feminine energy. I deeply, greatly appreciate you and and it, admire you. Uh, and um, again, we'll push the pause button. I'm sure we'll have an opportunity to do this again sometime. Yes. And um, so, thank thank you so thank you so much. 
Hi, I hope you have learned some wonderful things that will serve you in your journey to free yourself from conformity and a mediocre life so that you can live the amazing life that is for you, that was was here for you before you came, the infinite in, as because you are infinite potential. And we want you to live out that infinite potential. And so I am your host, Dr. Balan A. Durr, awaking and empowering you to live out your infinite potential, to live life in the sweet spot. See you next week. Thank you for joining us today in the sweet spot. Share, follow, and like us on social media. To learn more, please visit balinadurmd.com, spelled B-A-L-I-N-A-D-U-R-R-M-D.com. Join us next week, and remember, when you heal your mind, all things are possible. Thank you.